welcome to Behind the Numbers, the show where we dig a little bit deeper to understand what really matters most in business. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm a Senior Director of Valuation Services at CFGI. Today, I'd like to welcome my very special guest, a fellow by the name of Greg Offner, who is a director at Exude Incorporated. Greg, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thanks for having me, Dave. Good morning. So I know a lot of folks in the Philadelphia area know who you are. But for the folks who may not know or may be out of the market watching, tell us a little bit about who Greg Offner is and who is Exude and what do they do? Sure. Well, those are two big questions. I am business development rep for Exude, so my title is director. Uh, but my job is to meet, greet, and explain what we do to potential customers. Exude is an organizational health consulting firm. So we're about 22 years old. We're based right in Old City, Philadelphia. And we service customers really from New York all the way down to DC, even some across the United States that are interested in having a more healthy organization. Let's explore organizational health because that probably means a lot of different things to people watching. How do you define organizational health? Yeah, it can come off almost as a fluffy term because we think healthy, you know, maybe we think celery or riding a bike at the gym, but you know, organizational health really looks at four dimensions of an organization, how they function together so that the organization as a whole achieves its goals. So for instance would be employee benefits is on a lot of people's minds right now. The cost of it if you're an employer is rising. Um, so that's a component of organizational health, how those benefits support and meet the needs of the employees, right? Because if the employees can't come to work, the business really can't get done. Make sense? Absolutely. So another component of that would be risk management. And most people hear risk management and they think purchasing insurance. And that's certainly one component of risk management. But the larger, the more important component of it is how the organization deals with the non-transferable risks, things that they're not going to, to insure. For instance, would now be a good time to open up a business in Brazil? That's a risk, right? That's something that an organization would consider under the risk management bucket but that is an insurance. So we're looking at the total risk management picture. Now, the other two I'll get into, but you can see how these things seem to really not line up. A lot of times a human resources function deals with employee benefits, and an operations or a CFO is gonna deal with the risk management component. When we work with an organization, we step in with the lens of organizational health, saying that, if the risk management goals aren't supported by similar employee benefits goals, if, there, if those decisions aren't being made in view of each other, right? if the risk management department isn't taking into account the employee benefits strategy and vice versa, there's a good chance the organization isn't as healthy as it could be. Now, are you able to measure organizational health? Absolutely. So what does a before and after scenario look like in your world? Well, that's a good question, Dave. It depends why we're called in. So a company in New Jersey brought us in because they were experiencing a tremendous amount of turnover. And they said, well, we think that our problem is that we are paying our employees a wage that has to compete with you know, XYZ other category of business. And we think we're actually worried that we're gonna have to raise that wage. And if we raise the wage, we don't know that we're gonna be from a profitability standpoint where we need to be. So please, can you come in and help us? What's interesting about a lot of the phone calls that we get is that most times an employer or a group of executives at a company think they know what's causing the problem. And so they call us in and ask us to fix that. But because we take a scientific approach, more of a methodology that we approach what we do, we go in and we do some assessments. We talk to key stakeholders, we anonymously survey employees and ask strategic questions 
to try and divine exactly what the challenge is, more often than not, we find something that's likened to what medical doctors call referred pain. So the concept of referred pain is, oh, I have a toothache, but the tooth isn't really what's causing the problem. It's something up in the sinuses, but you're feeling it over here. So similarly with the company, when we dug in, we really found that it was a cultural issue. It was the way employees felt their voice was heard, or, or in this case, wasn't being heard, that would cause them to leave. It had really little to do with the pay whatsoever. And so instead of walking in, shooting from the hip and saying, well, this is what you said the problem is, so this is what we're going to work on, which at the end of the day would have had no measurable effect for them, we assess the entire organization through that lens of organizational health, and then we come up with a strategy. And that strategy is going to have key metrics associated with every step of the process so that when we do our after action report or our, our debrief with the client, we can say, this is where you were. And depending on if it's attrition, right? If they're losing employees, we want the number now to be here, to be lower. But if it's a profitability or an operational effectiveness, you know, we want, we want the answer to be up here. So we'll say, this is where you were, and this is where you wound up. And this is how we measure the efficacy of what we're doing. And holistically, it's all connected, right? So if you've got a high attrition rate, uh, it's going to impact profitability. And so the extent that you can retain employees, I would think that profitability will just organically, all other things equal, increase. Is that a fair statement? It, it is. And, and, and you, you really bring up a good point that we can take a step further. If we go back to that organizational health model and the four dimensions, um, most folks wouldn't think that their workers' compensation costs have anything to do with their hiring process or the culture of the organization. But what they would find if they dug a little deeper was that the culture of the employee base, right? How much are they invested in the company? Do they care or is it a job? Is actually going to directly impact the workers' compensation program. Because what we've found is that when you have high turnover, the employee doesn't become indoctrinated into the culture. And so you might have a company safety culture that you've worked really hard to establish. But if you're constantly churning employees, they're not there long enough to buy into that culture. And you're going to see that reflected in workers' comp losses, claims, and ultimately the cost rising. So we often, find out, uh, we, we often wind up working with organizations on the risk management side of our business that say, my costs are out of control. I keep getting increases. And, and right now, with where the market is, you really shouldn't be having significant increases in your insurance program costs for, for workers' comp. But they say, I'm getting these big increases. I have claims out the wazoo. I'm not really sure what to do about it. And we go and we look, and it turns out that their claims management process is actually pretty solid. But what isn't solid is the job descriptions that they're posting for key jobs that come in, find out, oh, what I thought I was getting hired for is not what I'm being asked to do, and they leave. Or worse, they stay and do a poor job. Since we're on behind the numbers, I'll share a statistic with you. 85% of the American workforce is either actively disengaged or not engaged at work. And actively disengaged is, is the real number that we have to worry about. Because they're not just showing up and watching Netflix. They're showing up and grabbing eight other people to watch Netflix. They're taking other people's focus away from the job. They are, they are launching a silent revolt of your employees, if you will. Yeah, and you haven't even scratched the surface in talking about toxic employees, which I think raises the bar even further than just a disengagement because the disengaged folks are watching Netflix, all things equal. It's, it, you know, it's not productive, but mm -hmm. it's benign. But when you go from disengaged to toxic, then it really gets ugly. 
Yeah, and that's a good point, Dave. Those are toxic is, is another word for those actively disengaged, right? So that actively disengaged means that I'm, I'm looking to spread my discontent. Right. Yeah, and so um, that really plays into what we do. Those other two dimensions fall under our human capital management practice, right? So total rewards is a component of that practice. So that's all the non-cash compensation, the non-benefits, uh, healthcare benefits that we would provide, that an employer would provide to their employees. Looking at that is tremendously important because that adds value on that employee balance sheet. When an employee says, well, I get paid $20 an hour to work here, right? Our clients get trained to create a worksheet that they share with their employees that shows the total benefit of working at an organization. So the cash comp is $20, you know, $20 an hour. But the other benefits that are provided, maybe it's pet insurance, maybe it's some long-term care insurance options or some group life insurance options, whatever the benefit is, that's a cost that the employer is paying, a benefit that the employee is receiving, and it should be factored into to the value of working for that organization. And what we find, Dave, is that too often companies are not taking credit for the hard work that they do in giving their employees options. Or what's more problematic is companies are spending money to give their employees options that the employees don't want. Mm. And it's because they've never surveyed them. And so the survey falls into that fourth dimension of what we do in the human capital management practice. And that's really assessing and understanding what an organization's operational strategy is, where do they want to go as an organization, and then understanding what their culture is, right? Because strategy is what we want to do, right? Culture is how the work gets done, is how we get there. And what we find is that many times there's a disconnect between what the executive arm of an organization thinks the culture is and what the line level employees think the culture is. So here's a free tip for any of the, any of the viewers watching. If you're an executive, you should go and speak with several of your senior management team and just ask them, define the culture of our organization, right? And culture isn't ping pong tables and comfy chairs. Define the culture. Then go to several of your line level employees and do this one by one. Don't bring them in as a group, right? You want independent views. And I would be very surprised if a significant amount of people that try this find the answers are the same. And that's a really simple identifier of a culture that needs some intentional tweaking. Yeah, intentional is the key word. I've had some guests on the program uh, who did some interesting things around culture and the key word always was intentional. Mm -hmm. So before we go any further down that path, Greg, tell folks how they can contact you if they want to learn more about what you do. Absolutely. So I have presence on all the major social media networks, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, my name is Greg Offner Jr. You can also email me at gofner at exudeinc.com or I'm happy to give out, your viewers are all trustworthy people, I'm sure. I'm happy to give out my mobile phone. It's 215-970-4592. I assume they are all trustworthy people as well. <laughs> I hope so. You'll find out and let No me late know night texts. <laughs> so one of the things I wanted to explore a little bit further in, in your um, last comments was with regard to the benefits. Mm -hmm. um, at what point, is there a tipping point where, where employees are thinking beyond compensation in terms of an employer and they're looking to 
those other types of benefits? And you can define what they may be, but what is the tipping point for an employee to start thinking beyond compensation in terms of the value of their employer? Wow, that's a great question. And if I could wave a magic wand, it would be the moment that people take a job. I think at a young age, it's natural to, to wonder, what's the paycheck look like? But if I could wave that magic wand and get folks even at a young age, even in their first job, to start thinking bigger, you know? Start thinking about planning for retirement the minute they get their first paycheck, rather than waiting until they're in their mid-20s or sometimes even until they have kids to start funding their 401k. And we do often get asked, you know, can you help our organization with our retirement strategy? And we do have an arm of our business that helps with that. But compensation, I think, to answer your question, is, is so much more. And sometimes it takes a life event. There are some people that work for an organization for years and have no clue how their benefits function. Only when they get married or they have a child do they start to wonder, geez, why, why is this not set up the way I'd like it? And then they dig in and they start to learn about how the program works. So the tipping point for each employee is going to be different based on their life circumstance. The tipping point for an organization probably comes at 50 employees, right? For most organizations, once you have 50 employees on a benefits plan, you can really start to get creative with the structure. You can start to explore different avenues to provide benefits for your employees than just buying an insurance program. Gotcha. Beyond the benefits, if you will, then. Sure. What are the other key things, we'll call them cultural type things, that you're finding that your client companies are doing to attract and retain talent? Oh, so attracting and retaining talent is huge right now. We're in one of the tightest labor markets that most of us have ever seen at work. So people don't, I shouldn't say people don't, most employees, what we're finding is that they don't just want a job anymore. This isn't our parents and our grandparents' generation of you go and work for one employer for 30 and 40 years and you get the gold Rolex and you ride off into the sunset. More employees now are hopping back and forth and it's, it's really for two reasons. One, it's because the job that they're being hired to do, they're finding out, isn't what they thought it was. And so we see that in companies not reevaluating how they write their job descriptions. We're seeing that in companies not having a defined and repeatable interviewing process. So candidates have different experiences based on who they're interviewing with and what season it happened to be in that business, right? Because if you're, if, you're, if you're a tax firm, you're probably very busy right now and you're likely not interviewing. But if you are, I'd imagine your candidate has a different experience than if they're interviewing out of you know, the busy season. Sure. So it's certainly the experience that they're signing up for. Um, and then to your point about culture, people, many employees now want to be part of something. They don't just want to be an employee. They want to know that what they're doing matters. And for some folks, you know, in my role, I can see that my job matters. When I'm doing my job well, our company is growing. I'm helping other businesses. And so I can, that's a tangible result. But maybe if you're in a less public-facing role, something where you don't leave the office very often, it may be hard for you to see that what you're doing matters. And so we work with our clients and help them engage their employees in that conversation through over-communication, right? Um, Ray Dalio's book, Principles, he talks about the concept of radical transparency. And that may not be appropriate for every company, but many companies are finding that, you know, what's happening is, is, is out in the public sphere. There are websites like Glassdoor, Facebook, Instagram. I mean, you can't hide what happens inside an office anymore. It's being broadcast out into the public sphere. So rather than be afraid of that, some of our clients are learning how to embrace that 
and proactively take that message and make it one that resonates with not only their employees and their clients, but their prospective employees. You know, when somebody looks for a job nowadays, they're not just emailing or sending their resume into some HR person. They're on LinkedIn, they're on Glassdoor. They're looking at what people say about this organization. They're looking at the comments under Google articles, under the newsfeed, right? So companies have to be aware that what their perception is out in the public sphere, even if it's not true from the inside, is by definition true from the outside because exactly. perception is reality. Exactly. On that note, we have to take a very quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers with my guest, Greg Offner. Back after this break from commercials. Choosing Medicare coverage can be a very confusing and complicated process. Help is just a phone call away, 856-226-4800. As a licensed insurance agent, I'll assist you in making an informed and confident decision on a Medicare plan that meets your needs, lifestyle, and budget. Call me today for a free, no obligation, Medicare benefits consultation, 856 226 4,800. When did you see the sign? When I needed to create a better visitor experience. Improve our workflow. Attract new customers. That's when FastSigns recommended fleet graphics. Yeah, now business is rolling in. Get started at FastSigns.com. What do I want to be when I grow up? Maybe a musician? A veterinarian? Maybe an equestrian, a mommy. Well, why not be all these things and more? Consider joining me, Dr. V, with friends and colleagues as we explore a wide range of topics together. V is for variety, here on RVN TV. Richard. Oh, is that too hard for you? No. Is it too hard for you? Woo! We're playing catch now. <laughs> oh, shit. Should you choose Rowan College at Gloucester County? Low cost, the number one nursing program in all of New Jersey. More than 70 programs of study, including selective admissions. With record enrollment, a premier partnership with Rowan University. Transfer options with numerous universities. Four-year degree options on our campus. Rowan College at Gloucester County. Now you're thinking.
Hi everyone, welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder. Today we're talking with Greg Offner, director from Exude. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, employee engagement and the concept of something that Simon Sinek really brought to light and start with why. Uh, millennials have gotten a lot of credit for um, wanting to be part of an organization that's doing something that's greater than punching a clock. They want to be a part of a mission, something larger than their job description. Um, and you alluded to that pretty articulately in, in the last segment. How else is the workforce changing, whether it's the mission or other ways in engaging people? Well, something that employers are reckoning with is that um, for the longest time, baby boomers were a significant component of the workforce, Some, something on the order of 60% in the last few years. That number is changing drastically. Um, I think by the year 2022, millennials are going to account for at least 48% of the workforce. And that's really uh, being felt as, as the transition moves into millennials being in leadership positions. And so we've got a really interesting component um, that affects how business is done in that you've got some folks in your workforce who didn't really experience technology until they were in their, let's say, 40s. Right, the computer and the email wasn't really prominent for them. You've got some folks that are that are straddlers, right? And I fall into that generation. So I didn't have a cell phone until sophomore year in college, right? But I knew what a computer was. Email was kind of a thing when I was in high school, but it wasn't really necessary. I remember even in my first job, <laughs> in my first job, the first week or two, at one point my boss called me and he said, I've sent you all these things that we're talking about that you say you haven't seen. Like, I've sent them to you in your email. And I said, oh, I haven't checked that yet. <laughs> Right, because I mean, think about that. Think about not checking your email for two weeks. It just, it wasn't a thing right. back then. It didn't, it didn't matter to me. Now, we check our email multiple times a day, I'm sure. Then you've got this other segment of your workforce who literally had an iPad in the cradle with them, right? So recognizing the expectations of each of those generations about why work gets done, how work gets done, who's to do it is so different and, and we find that clients come to us saying we've got this problem and no idea how to make the culture coalesce into one group, one mission, one direction um, because it's just such a weighty problem that companies are now just starting to investigate dealing with. Yeah. How do they do it, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> if us. I knew that, this would, be the, this would be sponsored by Greg Offner Consulting. There you go. Um, no, you know what? So, we, so one of the things that I love about Exude, right, is that while I do get asked to create the conversation, I'm not the person who ultimately solves the problem. I've got my hand in that solution, but we've got over 100 consultants and employees that work at Exude that absolutely knock the ball out of the park day after day after day. We've got testimonials from massive, I mean, I'm talking 30,000 employee organizations, all the way down to super local nonprofits that we work with. And so, how, you know, what's the answer? How do we do that? I, I don't truthfully know, but I do know that some of the consultants that back me up, uh, that do their work all day in organizational development, in diversity and inclusion, in, um, in, in all, all manner of disciplines, it, the work that they just do is, is phenomenal. And it's got to be nuanced, right? Like you, you alluded to in the beginning of the segment, last segment about the tooth pain. Um, an organization thinks they have a problem, but it's really just a symptom of something else. So my instinct is it, it's facts and circumstances and mm -hmm. it's often nuanced. Fair? Yeah. That's why when someone calls us and says, I have a problem, we say, okay, great, let's talk about that problem. And we're using our organizational health lens as that problem is being described to us to think, well, what else could this mean? 
right? Where else could the problem lie? And then we use proven methodologies, we use the tools of our trade, which are the surveys, the analytics, the data analytics that, that, that fuel the answers to the surveys. And we really investigate, okay, is the perceived problem what the actual problem is? And once we marry the two and we figure out really where we need to go, only then do we propose you know, a true solution. So we could come into an organization thinking that it's a cultural issue and find out that it has absolutely nothing to do, that the, uh, the culture of the organization is actually quite sound. The problem is that people within the organization don't think there's a path for succession. They might uh, perceive it to be a job where they can't get promoted. So they don't understand the leadership opportunities ahead of them. Gotcha. You want to talk risk management for a little bit? Sure. So most people will do an eye roll when you start to think about risk management, but you've got a different perspective on it. And at the break, you were talking a little bit about this uh, idea, a metaphor, if you will, of bowling bumpers. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. So if you think about your risk management program, again, that there are insurable and non-insurable components, right? There are things that you're going to buy insurance for, like your automobile exposure, your property exposure, your general liability. Those are insurable risks. Then you have your uninsurable risks, and those could be speculative risks, so growth opportunities. Those could be areas where there just isn't any commercially available insurance. It's, it's all manner of things. So if you think about a, a, a bowling alley, um, when, when, when you roll the ball down the lane, that's your business moving forward, right? And obviously, for it to be successful, you want to knock all the pins down. Now, if you fall into the gutter, turns over, that's it, game over, right? So most of the insurable risks are those gutters, right? That's the stuff that if you buy insurance, just like the kids at a birthday party, it kind of puts those inflatable tubes down the gutters so that, okay, the business theoretically won't crash for catastrophic reasons. But risk mitigation and some of the other aspects of risk management are kind of like, well, is the ball going straight down the lane or is it just gonna knock the last two pins on the side over? Right? Are we going to be wildly successful and have a strike? Which I guess in some business cases, you don't want a strike. <laughs> but are we, are we going to succeed in our mission and knock all the pins down? Or are we only going to get one or two? Right? And so most brokerage organizations focus on what they get paid for. Why wouldn't they? It makes a lot of sense for them. Right? They place insurance. And along the way, if you ask a question or two, you get some great advice, I'm sure. Because we approach an organization with that organizational health lens, of course we're looking and of course we're able to make sure that the best policies and the best language is sourced for our client. But in addition, we're, link we're, we're linking that risk management program to the employee benefits side of the business, to the total rewards side of the business, to the human capital side of the business, and making sure that every link in that chain is mutually reinforcing. I'm sure you've heard the quote, uh, you know, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. You can have a great risk management program in place, but if the culture isn't there, you're gonna have two employees that figure out how to game the system. There's a, a, a way for any rule to be broken, right? What do they say, locks only keep honest people honest or something like that? Um, you know, having a sound risk management program is, is important and having insurance policies to back that up is great, but Organizations are only truly healthy when they marry that with a great culture, with a strategy that reinforces that culture, and with a culture that enables that strategy to get done. Remember, strategy is what we want to do. Culture is how the work gets done. Yep. We only have a couple of minutes left, so before we have to wrap, why don't you tell the audience how they can contact you? Sure. Again, by phone, it's 215-970-4592. By email, 
or you can contact me via any social media channel, uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. I'm sure there's one that I've forgotten, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty easy to reach, Dave. He's everywhere, and some people may know you as the dude from Exude as well. I have been called that from time to time. <laughs> it's easily findable. <laughs> Again, I only have a couple minutes left. Sure. I want to take the conversation back to benefits quickly here. Okay. Is there a popular benefit right now that employees are, are really craving that it's almost become mandatory, if you will? Well, there's a big conversation around paid parental leave and what that looks like. Um, that's probably not going to factor into one of the things that, that is, is being decided upon by employers right now. Um, what employers should be mindful of is that when employees were surveyed, I believe it was a Gallup survey, um, when employees were surveyed, there were three key things that they were looking for in a job. Okay? One was flexibility of work environment. Two was the opportunity to learn and train and develop themselves. So we've got a flexible work environment, right? the opportunity to learn and develop my skills. And then we've got flexible hours. So they not only wanted to be able to, to work from home, if, if possible, with their job, but they also, in terms of flexible work hours, wanted to be able to say, you know, what I'm doing isn't really customer facing, it's kind of process driven. So if you can imagine an accountant for an organization. I can. <laughs> sure he could. You could do that at four in the morning. You could do it at 11 at night. It doesn't have to necessarily get done during business hours. So where employers can be flexible, they really should think, and I, th and, and, and I believe that this convergence of uh, baby boomers, you know, Gen Xers, Gen Y, Gen Z, Gen everything else, you know, everyone coming together now that we've got this almost melting pot in offices of generations, I think that really is going to move that needle forward and make companies that, that were a little bit more conservative become a little bit more progressive because the labor market's so tight and they need to keep their employees that they have, that they want to keep, and they need to attract the top talent that they need, right? Uh, I think to do that, they're going to need to try and tick all three of those boxes. Great insights. Thank you so much for sharing. It was a pleasure. It went very, very quickly, as it always does. <laughs> Today, my guest was Greg Offner, director from Exude. And this has been Behind the Numbers. Until I see you next time, I'm Dave Bookbinder. Take care. Greg, thank you. Cool. Medicare coverage can be a very confusing and complicated process. Help is just a phone call away, 856-226-4800. As a licensed insurance agent, I'll assist you in making an informed and confident decision on a Medicare plan that meets your needs, lifestyle, and budget. Call me today for a free, no obligation, Medicare benefits consultation, 856-226-4800. When did you see the sign? When I needed to create a better visitor experience. Improve our workflow. Attract new customers. That's when FastSigns recommended Fleet Graphics. Yeah, now business is rolling in. Get started at FastSigns.com.